0: Welcome back to season three of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking Killing, killing me. me. I'm Rainey. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for listening. We're back! Woohoo! We're back, bitches. Fucking excited about it. Yeah. We got plans. Big plans. Important plans. Big goals. Big goals. You can see Corinne <laughs> shouting about them on the Blue Young street line. <laughs> She's told everybody. She's yes. told everybody in meetings. She's told our friends. She sent it out on the newsletter, which you should subscribe to. Yeah. And if you've ran into her in the past month, she's probably told you. (laughs) I'm on some weird goal setting kick right now, guys. It's keeping me sane. It's keeping her sane and I love it. (laughs) We're so excited that this season's first guest is Kate Knox. She's here and she's got some shit to say. Uh, Yeah, it's a long one. So buckle up, get a coffee, get a beer, maybe. It's going to be so good. Here we go
1: hi my name is kate knox otherwise known as knox harder the cheesecake darling i am the artistic director of high society cabaret other things happening in the world i do much feel like faster
0: we're constantly just like little i mean just like a yes. step behind of what's happening in like bigger cities and i i don't know i don't really know how to fix that or like if that's even fixable
1: i i've racked my brain for years over this um it's part of Canadian culture, unfortunately. Right. We're culturally, socially we're very forward, we're very liberal, mm-hmm. by and large. Um, save a couple of pockets in the country. Yeah. <laughs> we all know where those are. Um, but in, artistically, we're very conservative. Um, we don't like anything new. We're bandwagon hoppers. Um, it shows Mervish is the perfect example. Mervish outsources from the states, most right? of their talent and most of their shows. And part of it is finance. Part of it is because, yeah, it is on your bottom line, cheaper to take huh. in a touring show that's already rehearsed in the States right? and just literally pay, pay for the rent to go up in the show and, and the union dues and that kind of shit, as opposed to having to go hire... through a rehearsal process.
0: Don't they also only hire really like people from the
1: States? When they yes. are, when they do do a show that's here. They favor the Americans because the Americans will, will. The Americans want the discount because of how the dollar works. And this is how it's been right. for years. So they hire American talent. The Mervishes, and, and it's part of Canadian culture still has been. So, so why a lot of stuff films here? Yeah. Like that's it's a lot why of, lots of films here, but yeah. it's like, but, but part of the Canadian culture that's terrible is that it's understood that canada has no talent that we are always second to the americans and the perfect example is whenever you ask anyone pick a person on the street what's your opinion on canadian television mm. and what's usually the first thing thrown at you shit's great well they say it's shitty oh it's shitty that it's Sorry. shitty <laughs> that is no I'm half right. well there's no, but that's the thing is that but well, that's why things are changing is yeah. that they say that there's no good canadian television mm-hmm. uh, for debate for decades um cuz I was a kid in the 90s so I remember Canadian 90s television and it was good and it was a staple of Canadian television it was a little bit brick and mortar but like <laughs> it had its charm because of yeah. it like we're not the states fuck off um but the thing is is that everyone still thinks Canadian television sucks when it's like Shits Creek and and with any e in the states yeah. uh Kim's Convenience even uh Corner Gas mm-hmm. um is syndicated through the United States has been bought these like fucking Dan Levy Levy's a Celebrity now, three times over. Mm-hmm. Like, over and over again, Eugene Levy was always. Because yeah. he had, like, he was, in a, he was the dad in every teen movie in the 90s. Like, <laughs> and <was> also, like, <laughs> CCTV. CCTV. Like, CCTV and a lot of can- Such a big thing. And I because see. of the drain, we have a lot of great Canadian talent that made it in the States that are now coming back right. to produce Canadian content. But we're still fighting with the stigma that we have no talent. Larger companies on the corporate level still hire American talent because it's assumed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when they do hire Canadian talent, they think they're throwing a bone to the Canadians and they seriously undercut financially, having worked with corporate clients for so fucking long and having to explain to them, I'm just a really pretty plumber. Do you negotiate with your plumber like this or do you just fucking pay them? <laughs>
3: like <laughs> <laughs> how, I love that analogy. how do analogy. I explain
1: this? Like right. I'm a contractor and I'm a trade worker. Yes. If I put it up brass tax. I went to school for this. I went through a shitload of certifications. My job is dangerous and I risk breaking a thing. Like I'm a tradesman. <laughs> like I'm a tradesman. The way my uncles and my cousins work in mines. Mm-hmm. I still operate my body. My body is still my product. My product just happens to be prettier. Mm-hmm. And I, my, part of my job is to also make it look easy. <laughs> right. No one wants to see a dancer struggle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We love seeing athletes struggle. That's our core. Right. We don't want to see dancer struggle. Right. We don't want to see artists struggle unless they're supposed to like emotionally struggle. But that's <laughs> fucking something else. <laughs> that's like a whole other thing. Right. It's a whole other thing. <laughs> right. It's a whole other fucking kettle of fish. Right. <laughs> but that's why. A Part of it is a culture and it's a culture that's been so ingrained in us for decades now that it's like, what's, that's the question I often pose, what's the new generation going to do to break that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And part of that is marketing and like, thank God the boomers will die.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Great. And we'll be able to smartly go back to how things have worked before to learn from those lessons. Cause the other thing that I've criticized a lot of schools for, they're still teaching as if we're still in the boom of the nineties in Toronto with theater, with theater specifically with or dance. In both. So keep in mind that like a little bit of history in the nineties, in the nineties, Toronto was a theater city, New York, London, Toronto, a lot of shit that went to Broadway in the nineties workshopped here. First fame, Fosse, Showboat, shows I all saw when they were in Toronto in the 90s before they went on Broadway to win a shitload of Tonys.
0: Wow, well, I had no idea about that. No, yeah. either. Yeah,
1: Yeah. So
3: everybody's training you to, so that you go into these big shows and go into these big companies when that's not the reality of that's the scene That's not city. the reality of
1: the scene anymore. Yeah. Our scene now is so much more independent. Yeah. But where's the money going? Still into the ballet. <laughs> and into the big theaters and into mervish into mervish and yeah. into things that look good to banks on their corporate write offs to go we support the arts when it doesn't fucking do anything it doesn't provide adequate funding for artists to create it doesn't even produce good work by and large it's a fucking needle in a haystack to find something that's great otherwise you just get a bunch of art doings putting projections of porn on the side of ocad like it's like what <laughs> how is that art <laughs> i'm missing the point right Well, then you don't get it. No, then you've not communicated it because I should get the point. Mm -hmm. If you communicated well, I should get it on some level.
0: Right. I mean, that's subjective though, because you can say, you know, someone might make something that's specifically researched for their own body and might not be for an audience to get. Is it entertaining for an audience to come to? Maybe not, but it is still...
1: But there's still something that has to be said for it. Like I love using, because everyone hates contemporary dance. (laughs) Everyone hates contemporary dance. I love explaining to it. It's like contemporary dance for me has to hold... So, has to give me something to hang on to. Right. Either the dancers need to be beautiful, um, either by their movement or by their bodies or by what they're doing. Um, the work has to be good. So the choreography is nice and solid. I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. The dancers have to have a connection. I'll hang on to a connection in a performance. If I can watch people connect on stage, I don't care if the choreography is shit. I'm like, Oh my God, look at the no dancers. Sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Or it
1: has to be visually pleasing. Something about it has made me go, Oh, that's interesting. And now I'm looking at a moving sculpture. Mm-hmm. If it does none of those things, you've missed something for me. Mm -hmm. Like you've missed a message. Right. And to me, I have a degree, blah, blah, blah. I I know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Mm -hmm. Now it's not just, it's subjective. It's no, you've created bad art. Mm -hmm.
3: Right. (laughs) I'm not
1: getting anything. Especially
3: if your goal is to present work, there has to be some sort of audience relationship. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right there does and like I'm very good at keeping an open mind and going but what did I take from it not that I'm not critical by the end point to go <laughs> what worked what didn't right <laughs> to my benefit and my detriment as people gone you can't say that I just did <laughs> uh what was one that was very recent that was like I hated it but I loved it and I don't know what to do with it oh slow dance um in studio B at the Winchester and like an hour long piece I know Peter Kelly was in it And a bunch of people from TDT. Oh, Oh, it was the the art one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it was one of those things where it's, like, it was a piece that equally, like, intrigued me and pissed me off at the same time. Is that where they had, like, the big props? They They had the props and they were covered in fabric. Right. And, like, the whole thing is literally just, like, the way I like describing it, it's, like, it's watching snails in a terrarium. Mm. Like, that's the whole piece. And that in itself, especially watching these dancers because it's structured improv. So they, like, shit will happen and they have, you have to watch them navigate. On that part, I was like, this is really cool. Like, it's hypnotic because it's snails in a terrarium. Like, how do you not watch that for an hour and go and kind of zone out and get a little high? Like, it's like, right? That, that in itself has its own thing thing that pissed me off though was all the props in that room felt insulting because it literally just looked like the choreographer it's like it's in the room it's in the piece now like it's like and that pisses me right. off that it has no intention there was no relationship with space and component and object no yeah even if they picked random objects and i was like i was saying to sebastian seeing because i was with him at the time right. i was seeing the show with him because he's like come see stuff with me i was like okay mm-hmm. um i was like even if they just took these miscellaneous objects and just painted them all the same color
2: mm-hmm.
1: then all of a sudden that random randomness has a uh, cohesiveness yeah it's got a connection where I can go I don't care that you're holding a fan for some fucking reason right. like I don't get it <laughs> for a second there like for about five minutes of the piece I was like is there a wind symbolism I'm missing in here because they had like a fan and then they had like oh, the, a heater the fabric. and then they had like the fabric and it was moving and there was this kind of movement I was like is there a wind symbolism I'm missing right. and then they jumped to a fucking toaster and I was like there's no symbolism no. and I was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> it was like, ah! yeah, searching for meaning. I was like, like, it's like, it's like I hate this. <laughs> yeah, I hate this so much. Right, <laughs> but it was wonderful to watch the dancers. Um, mm-hmm. Structured improv is
3: interesting to watch. It is really interesting it's to watch. Hard, hard because sometimes it's, it's
0: something hard for the dancers, but it's also like hard because you're not seeing the same show. It's not the same experience for anybody. No. Right?
3: Also, sometimes nothing happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it like builds up and then someone just decides to walk away from it and you're like, oh, okay. So it's not yes and it's now we're just no period. Like It's, <laughs> it's, it's like improv. having really
1: great foreplay and not getting laid. Like, come <laughs> on guys. Like, give me, like, give me a finish. Come <laughs> on. Mm-hmm. Like anything.
0: <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah. Structured improv is like, it's a weird thing. It's a weird art form. Coming from burlesque where oh, half the shit I do is structured improv anyway, just in a different Format outside of a contemporary, well, right. only in a contemporary realm. It's like, yeah, it's, well, in it's burlesque, hate-ness. yeah,
0: and in burlesque, you're allowed to like. I mean, I'm not familiar with the form. I'm not a burlesque dancer, but, so I should ask you. But um, you're like engaging with your audience on a personal level and Ugh. like talking them. Whereas contemporary dance, we have this like there's idea like this, that there's we, like no breaking. We put on our best contemporary dance face where we smell something really bad. In our <laughs> And we walk around and pretend that we're not—you know—we're not, you know, not going to break the fourth wall. Oh man! We're just gonna, you know, it's—I <laughs> don't know why contemporary dance has this idea it's that like... they're just constantly looking around and like confused. Why is this always happening to me? And I don't, it is a bit
1: weird. Isn't it? Part, yeah. You particularly, one of my biggest criticisms of contemporary <laughs> yeah. dance is the fact that there's no, like you're telling me the pieces about human connection and you have not even talked about or choreographed a human connection with your dancers or with your audience. Right. And I'm like, it's the same way that they love nudity. Contemporary dance loves nudity and hates sexuality. Heaven forbid you be naked and own your anatomy or naked and own that whole aspect of your personality Mm. in a way that makes you in depth and not just some like vessels for the art like fuck off like it's (laughs) like at what point at what point do you bring in the humanity to contemporary dance when in theory you're creating a piece about humanity Mm. it's such a contradiction it's it's such a hypocrisy and it pisses me off every time i see it where it's just like sometimes i'm sitting in an audience going look at each other like it's just (laughs) frustrating right when you could have like again if we're working in stillness that beautiful moment right without physically connection connecting of connection right and that in itself can be incredibly powerful yeah I think also
0: that's back to like what we were talking about before, that's specifically contemporary dance, maybe in yeah. Canada, because there's yes. lots of artists working out of Germany that, this, when they talk about sexuality, it's like Mitt in the Scotten, for example, is like working in such an interesting way with like the human body and nudity and the politics behind it.
1: Netherlands Dance Theatre is one of my favorite companies, right. and I feel like everything they do, like even, even when I've sat there and looked at the choreography and gone, well, that's shit, at least they've had this connection with each other on a dance floor in a rehearsal right. process, and to me, that saves it, where. It's like it doesn't matter that I don't like the choreography. That's me. Uh I've again, like I said before, I've picked up something. It's it's had a point. Whether it's the point I'm supposed to get, who cares? I've gotten a point from it, but I get so frustrated when there's when there's seemingly no point. You have literally create movement with no purpose, and that in itself could be its statement. But holy shit, I better get that statement that right. it's without purpose.
3: It better hit you like Morse Cunningham's work.
1: Yeah. yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <Great>. Merce Cunningham, <laughs> me on that, where I go, I don't know why I'm watching this, but right. I can't turn away. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> but like
3: movement without a purpose.
1: Right? Yeah. Basically like, modernism. Or post-modern post-modern that post Yeah. Mo- fucking- yeah. <laughs> Bless Merce Cunningham. Bless that man. Like... I have aims to have a career like his, to be in my 80s dancing in my own shit, because who's gonna stop me? Like, who's.
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so true.
1: Right? Does anybody go, listen, Merce? <laughs> like, no. no, no. No, he's gonna keep going. Okay, sure.
0: And no one's gonna say shit. <laughs> no one's gonna say shit. <laughs>
1: career goals. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
3: I wanna like switch gears into what's happening now in your career
1: holy shit. I'm going to have to backtrack on that one. Mm. Um, I had to restart literally from scratch. I had to start over. I literally had to start over. Um, and start over. You mean, Oh, everything, my teaching career collapsed. My performance career collapsed. My company collapsed. Everything collapsed. Everything fell apart within the span of about six or seven months. And it was this literal series of unfortunate events that like i was sitting with a friend a couple of weeks ago and explaining to her everything that happened and i got to like march in the story and this is all kind of starting from the end of fall like almost this time last year Um, I got to March and she was like, holy crap. Like, how are you so fun? I'm like, I'm not done. Like, it's like, there was, there was so much that hit literally in succession. The second I'd start finding my footing, something knocked me down. Um, and it just, it all came into a collapse where by June, after I finished my last show, um, show with high society, high society cabaret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I felt like I had no choice and I had to step away. I literally had to drop everything and, and go back to zero, Um, and I made a Facebook status going, I'm burnt out. Like, and it's like, and I've been burnt out. Like we've all felt burnout. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I haven't met a fucking artist who hasn't been burnt out at some point in their career. Well before 25, like at some point, but like, this was a whole new level of burnout where it's like, I could not bring myself. I could not bring myself to go back to work. I could not bring myself to get into a dance studio. I could not bring myself to do anything to do with dance, Mm -hmm. anything to do with theater, anything to do with the arts. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I made this Facebook status where I was like, I'm going on a break. Y'all have sucked me dry. I got nothing to give. I literally have nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disappear for a while. And I did. And so I took the summer off. And,
0: uh, did you I, go somewhere? Or did you stay in the city?
1: I stayed in the city. Like I didn't have, like, that was the thing too, is that with the collapse of, of my career on every fucking aspect, I had no money. So like, cause that's the income mm-hmm. I was, I was for the past decade, quote unquote, living the dream where my income was my work, was my teaching, was my, was gigs, was performance, was shows I was producing. Like that was my, that's how I was supporting myself was through my art. I got to do what everyone says that they want to do. And I did it for a decade. And now all of a sudden it's all fallen apart. I have literally no income coming in, Uh, none, mm -hmm. none, and no prospect of income coming in from the arts from the arts, right? None. So by last March, I'm glad I, cause I always think ahead as you can see, I'm very animated. I'm very theatrical and I'm very passionate. I'm also like analytical to the point of detriment sometimes, right? <laughs> I
0: can feel but that.
1: But, yeah, right. Like who isn't an, who isn't an artist and an overthinker? Um, <laughs> but I somehow something in me by March was like, you have to find a steady flow of income. And so I started working at this nonprofit tele- telemarketing center, um, and it only brings in something it, it literally only brings in about, um, my rent and maybe two thirds of a student loan I still have to pay off. That's it. Mm. That's all that money brings in. So that's what I lived off for the summer mm. was just, you know, and then after that I started cashing in chits with people who owed me. essentially. I I called friends and I was like, listen, I need to get out of the city. They're like, we have a cottage. Let's go. I went to my friend's farm. I was like, I, I, I had a little bit of a, a a thing where it's like, I always want to learn how to ride horses. My daddy was a cowboy way back in the day. (laughs) And so of course he never let me ride and I'm already doing dancing, which is fucking expensive and horses are fucking expensive. So pick one, (laughs) but I'd always want to learn how to ride. And a friend of mine was like, come to my farm. I'll teach you. And so I spent the weekend there. You know, where it's like, and she took good care of me and I learned how to ride a big fucking draft horse. So <laughs> it's so cool. Apparently I'm a natural at it, which I was like, oh no, do I, do I need to keep doing this thing? <laughs>
3: <laughs> do
0: I need another expensive like, hobby? It's like, <laughs> I need another expensive hobby. <laughs> horses like a mortgage. It's cr- horses yes. are
1: so expensive. They're so beautiful. And it was very like, uh, soul feeding to do. So I it's bet. like, yeah, the summer was just me finding interesting ways to reconnect socially to connect to myself to go back to a base um toddler state of like what brings me joy what makes me happy because it wasn't dancing it really wasn't with everything i went through it towards was, the end it wasn't dancing uh, for like a few months i was like i i can say it now in in hindsight because hindsight's twenty twenty, is that i was I was holding on to a bunch of things that were not working like they just weren't working and I was trying to make them work because they're supposed to work Mm -hmm. by every aspect of how I built my career. Um, everything that you're ever told and, and probably, like you you've all heard it like there are how many professionals have come through here and how many professionals have you talked to where it's like everyone very cut and dry tells you how a career is supposed to laid out you know it's like you go to school you get the training you work with this choreographer you get this job you you're a professional dancer and you do this thing and then you get the grants and you apply for your grants and you're going to get rejected for the first five but then one's going to come in and then you're going to do this and you do this and you're yeah. going to do this and you're going to do, do this and I'm here to say that holy fuck I did that and it didn't work <laughs> what the Right. I I did all the things I was supposed to do to set up a company, to set up my career, to set up my teaching. I did everything by the book. It took a decade to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And in six months, just all gone. And you probably were holding on to things out of fear. Oh, of course I was. Like uh, the 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 studio that shall remain nameless. But is it really nameless if I'm talking about it? No. I also have to be very careful because said studio, actually, because I started talking about my mistreatment. Oh my God. Because I started talking about mistreatment and started talking about because they weren't the only studio that fucked me over uh, last year. Uh, There were a bunch of them. Like one studio didn't pay me for 14 weeks. That's crazy. Um, That studio is now, um, I put in quotations for the listeners. On hiatus, uh, as they. do all know which one that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Guys, <laughs> yeah, like, are they gonna be okay? Like, no,
0: they're not.
3: They're not because they can't afford to exist. Yeah.
1: No, because they don't know how to run a fucking studio because it's a bunch of dancers who are used to being dance teachers that don't know anything about administration. Nothing! They know nothing. They know nothing, <laughs> and I learned that from the inside out as I waited 14 weeks for a $60 check. Wow. Come on. Oh, my God. They asked for my address three times. Why is it not in the mail? And me following up and following up and following up. Following up and they're just uh, at that point
3: you like you're writing personal checks because it like looks bad
1: well I uh, cuz again type (laughs) a I document everything and they're all saved in files so that should anyone come for me I will go here look how you fucked up I've had I've had to use this analogy so many times with how I've reacted because I am very thoughtful about how I do things I am a wild animal (laughs) you know I'm coiled my rattles shaking and I've hissed at you if I strike whose fault is it <laughs> Right. at some point? There's an accountability when you're being shitty, right? <laughs> and this is the experience I had with dance studios. Yes. And I was very cavalier with this one particular studio going, you're not treating your staff, right? You're not communicating your policies fairly. Mm-hmm. You have screwed me over in terms of money. Cause you've told me as I was subbing classes, you've told me that this is what's happening. Then you haven't promoted the classes and the classes are not running and by your policy, I'm not going to get paid. You've now cost me my rent Mm -hmm. and that's on you because I can't control this. This is your business. Mm -hmm. What it doesn't serve either of us for you to do this. Why are you doing this? And I literally had these conversations where it's like, why? I don't understand. If you tell me that you're all about business, why are you shooting yourself in the foot and not getting people into classes so I can get paid and you can make profit, Mm -hmm. right? It didn't make sense to me. And of course they got emotional about it because that's how they work. (laughs) <laughs> is not the studio that continued to move farther and farther out of downtown yeah, i don 't know if i don 't know if they 've continued to move farther far, that 's still downtown their location is still quite downtown i don 't know they ha- they 've had to relocate a few times they uh, 've only had to relocate three times and they've been around <laughs> long enough. It's a good time. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I have friends in high places. So a good friend of mine, uh, is a paralegal. And so I got served by hand a, a, um, a threat. So it wasn't an actual legal document where anything's going to happen, but it is a legal threat. And so it still has some weight. And it's right. one of those things that says that if you continue to do this, there will be legal action. Um, and so I got hand delivered this thing.
3: Which so you always—it's
1: still scary. Like it's still scary yeah. when some like uptight British woman goes, "I don't know what this is about, but it's for you," and you're like, "What?" Like, it's and they like- catch you off guard, and it's like in public, and. In- Like, it's like, everyone knows I'm actually a secret agent. Like, I don't know. Like, it's like my, (laughs) my brain just started going nuts and I'm going through every possibility because like, I, like I'm, I'm a I can be a polarizing person because I stand up for what I believe in and I am not quiet. So (laughs) people sometimes take that the wrong way. (laughs) And so I'm like, this could be any number of things that people pissed off that probably won't come to anything Mm -hmm. because I've stood my ground on something they don't want me to stand my ground on. And we'll probably be nothing. Sure enough, I get this legal notice, and I call my good friend, who's a paralegal and I'm like, "I need you to review this document, I need you to review my contract. I need you to go over this and let me know what to do next, because mm-hmm. right. I'm not one to stand idly by. And sure enough, sure enough, it was a very big bark. Mm. And by her standards, not a very well written one either. <laughs> and they were really they were really grasping at straws to find a way to basically threaten me, as they do with a lot of artists. If you've ever been in that situation if you've ever been in that situation yeah. where you've had to stand up for pick a thing harassment, lack of pay, poor working conditions, verbal abuse, anytime you stand up against a, 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 a quote-unquote established arts organization, the first thing that they're probably going to do is counter you with some sort of legal action or some sort of repercussion that is supposed to make it feel like your life and your career is going to come to an end. Right. The number of times I have been told in my now 11-year career, you'll never work on this town again, and here I am. Like,
2: <laughs> right. it
1: becomes a cartoon after a while. Like, like, does anyone really have that power when they threaten it? Right. When like they go, it's like your
0: career end. I'll make sure you never work and blah 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 blah. So it's like such a quote from like a nineteen fifties movie. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I feel like you should have like a cigar in your mouth and be like, wah, wah, wah. I, can I don't remember know. the
1: first time <laughs> like someone a pulled jacket. that on me. Like, I can remember the first time someone pulled that on me, and I remember like I was 23, twenty three, twenty four, and you were time. crying. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. You're like, oh my god, I'm so scared. And then within two days, I sat there and I was like okay, but you don't want to work with this person anymore. What they, what are they really going to do to stop you? They won't stop you from taking class. They won't stop you from training. (laughs) I can guarantee the reason why you're upset is they're probably not treating you well, or they're not paying you or both. (laughs) what What are you actually losing? And then in that case, for me, it was always a flip to go because I'm a bitch that way. And it's like, well, I'll just do it my way then. And usually that goes off on another tangent Mm -hmm. where it's like, you can't stop me from making my own work. You can't stop me from utilizing the things that are mine, my talent, my skill, the things I have created for myself, they're mine. You can't take that away. Mm -hmm. You can't take away my vision, my artistry, my drive, my ambition. So now I just have to redirect it to something that's going to serve me, Mm -hmm. not you, right? And that's where, that's how society came to be, was I got sick of being an employee and having to go through these constant fights of go, you can't talk to me like that. You can't cut my pay like this. You can't deny me pay like this. You can't treat me like this. And going, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Mm -hmm. And I will do it better. And each time I go through another instance like that, like this year, (laughs) it goes into this little vault of my head of how I want to work, how I want to treat other people, how I want things to go. That's not to say in this year as a perfect example, I don't still come across hurdles of other people from the other side being shitty, but that's just, that's also just working like this yeah. industry is hard, not just by emotional, mental and physical labor, but like you're dealing with a lot of ego.
0: Yeah. I think you're going to like, no matter what industry you're in, you're going to meet someone who's a bully. You're going to meet someone who doesn't want to pay you mm-hmm. or like, doesn't want to pay you for what it's actually worth. You know you're gonna meet all these like types of individuals in business and in art that just oh, are there, and yeah. like also just like in society. <laughs> and yeah. from both you know? sides,
1: like like it's not just because I've been on both sides now, where it's like I've been I've been the employee who's been bullied by the employer.
2: Right.
1: I've also been the employer bullied by an employee, and that's what happened twice this year. What was so I? <laughs> oh my god, we're going back now. Um, <laughs> so one of the shows I was supposed to do last year around November was a show I wrote, uh, that took place in about 1901 in Kansas. And it was following this sideshow circus troupe. Um, and I had this script. I still have to relook at it because now I'm probably gonna look at it and go, it's not good and have to rewrite it, but that's me. Um, But we were at a venue for two years, and this venue was very generous in that it gave us space and blah, 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 as long as we worked within their bookings that we're actually paying, which is fine. That's that's a great trade. That's a great trade. I know a lot of artists who have done that kind of barter. It's Mm -hmm. a great barter to have, and as long as you're willing to kind of fly off the cuff every now and again and make those adjustments, which I'm very good at adapting, then it's fine. And for me, I'm very good at adapting. I'm very good at problem solving. I know how to lay out all the answers and go, okay, this is the best choice given circumstance. And for two years it worked until by the end of last year, this venue uh, started not communicating when bookings would come in. So I'm coming into spaces thinking I have it and someone else is already there. Was there a change in management or was there a change in? No, I feel like it was a change in the management's attitudes. I don't know what happened. I really don't know. Mm. Um, but something happened where I'm not being communicated with anymore. And there was no conversation, no conversation. Whereas Mm. previously we'd had a conversation like it was always me initiating, but whatever. Like the dude who runs it's like old, old, like first gen Canadian, Italian, Mm. So, like, right. if anyone has relatives like that or, or family, friends, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's, yes. it's, they can be very stubborn. It's very stubborn. Um, there's a way that you have to, especially as a woman, because I'm dealing with a man, there's a way you have to talk. Yeah. There's a way you have to approach. There's a way if you're going to get what you want, essentially. Right. And so now we're missing that communication. And so the first show that got canceled last year, um, was canceled just before we got into the rehearsal process which in my mind, as much as I don't want to cancel a show four weeks before it's supposed to open in my mind, we haven't quite gotten into rehearsal. So I'm like, okay, at least I'm not wasting anyone's time. Like it's like, I've saved that with my performance. It's not the night before. It's not the night before. Like I haven't like I've paid for promotional materials, but that's only having me out about $150. That sucks that that material is gone and wasted, but Mm -hmm. whatever Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in the grand scheme, in the grand scheme, that's not a big deal. Fine. Um, Go forward, and I'm like, okay, so I'm already going, okay, so readjust, retract, recalibrate, um, reroute. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, so we're not going to do it then. Let's try a show in February. And I decide, you know, to play it safe because I don't know how things are going to go, let's do a remount. I was going to do a remount of this one show anyway. Um, and so we're going to remount in February. And I got my new cast and got them. And, and one of the people I, I casted was someone I was taking a chance on. She was doing burlesque here and there with me for a while very young 20 i i now because of this person and a couple of other people i now have an age restriction in who works with me in my company mm. if you have to be 22 to play in the nfl you've got to be 23 to work with me like i'm sorry oh, like oh, you can I'm thirty-three years old. (laughs) (laughs) I am thirty-three. If you're going to be under the age of twenty-three, you're not going to have to prove yourself to me that you know how to work. You know how to take direction. You. I also imagine it has a lot to do,
0: like thinking about burlesque in terms of like the. The body and like if you're showing your body in the nudity and like if you're at an age where you think that you're able to do this without being affected by it yeah, yeah. and then
1: you're not and then i end up coming across problems and playing therapist like i'm so good at doing too many Ugh. fucking times in my life um that's also another component of it is i right. want everyone to make sure that they're mature and they know what they're getting into right. i also don't like i've got a bunch of dancers that i work with that actually don't strip and don't right. go through nudity because i don't want anyone to do something they don't want to do and especially when it's talking about um uh consensually sexualizing yourself on stage mm-hmm. or a sexual expression i want to make sure everyone's comfortable i do have a couple of performers that don't strip mm-hmm. and i still work with them and i still have plenty other uses for them and they have talents that are useful to me mm-hmm. and i want to get them on stage so it's never been an issue for me okay in communicating that it's yeah. not a hard i mean i have preferences but it's not a hard line for me yeah So it's fine. But this performer, she's young, and she also has a bit of combat experience, which is like, great, this next show has some, like, fight choreography that I was kind of, like, fluffing based off my dance stuff and based off the fight choreography experience I have. I'm not trained. I've just been, I'm just one of those people I'm constantly thrown into situations and told to figure it out. (laughs) So all the fight choreo I've learned has been because I've thrown in. I've been thrown in and I can do it. And also, I scrapped as a teenager, so I actually know how to get into fights. Yeah, <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> I've taken punches. I've thrown a few. Like, it's like, so based on the information. But I was like, wouldn't it be nice, and for this show, I was like, wouldn't it be nice if I could pass off some responsibilities, give other people opportunity, and also lessen my load mm-hmm. a little bit. And so this young performer who is... Keep in mind, this young performer is also not a dancer first. Oh, okay. And everyone else is... And so I'm already hearing rumblings from my cast going, are you sure she'll be able to take on this content? My choreography tends to have, um, it tends to be a little bit, a little bit of coordination. It can get quite fast. And when I rehearse, I move very quickly. I expect professional dancers. Mm -hmm. That's just how I work. Um also means I can have more fun as I'm doing it.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Where I'm like, come on guys. It's fun
0: working with like talented dancers. Oh my God. It's a,
1: it's just a dream when you get to, and and I get to playfully fuck with them. Like I'm like, do this thing. And they're like, that's hard. I'm like,
0: I know. go.
1: (laughs) Let's have fun. Um, but this dancer is definitely not up. This, this performer is definitely not up to par with the dancers I'm working with. They're starting to express concerns. And then something happened when I asked her to help me with some of the fight choreography where she kind of gave herself the title of a fight director. Okay. I don't care about labels. I'm still the artistic director. I'm still the director and the choreographer of the show. Right. I'm still running this. Somewhere along the lines around November, as I'm starting to put things together, November, December, as I'm starting to put things together for the show, she has reached out to my ensemble without my permission, without CCing me, and without telling me she's going to do it, to tell them the schedule she's going to set for the fight choreography before we've gotten into rehearsals. That's great. Like the look on your faces is like, yeah, <laughs> what? like, yeah. And so I don't know this is happening. And the reason I found out is because one of the dancers she messaged sent me a screenshot of the Facebook message she sent to this ensemble cast.
3: Oh, yeah. If you weren't on that, if like someone sent them something to Rainy that was supposed to involve all of us. Oh yeah. I would be like instantly being like, why am I not, why is she why not told on this? Yeah. Like, why are we all involved? That's right weird. Exactly.
1: Yeah. The other thing that pissed me off too, that I was like, oh, I cannot have this is at the bottom of this message. This performer said normally I charge for this service, but for you guys, I'll do it for free. Okay, let's get something straight. If you have an issue with money, that's a me problem. That's me as the artistic director, the director, and the choreographer of the show. Right. And because it's a profit share show, if money's an issue, you need to tell me. Right. So I can either decide that I can find a, a way in my budget mm-hmm. to make this happen, or I can give you the option to not do this work if this is a deal breaker for you. Right. right. She
0: should have brought it up to negotiate with you in terms of like profit share, like. How can you create a way where it like helps her or like because she feels right. like she's the combat director <laughs> or like yeah it's a profit share fine but
3: I want the title Ex- right director exactly. and I would love to have. Rehearsals for this purpose. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Then like, it's on your resume.
1: There are so many ways that we could have navigated around this, but she kind of went for. And I get it. She's twenty. Do we all remember being twenty and being no. hungry and eager? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. There is very drunk.
1: <laughs> like I, I can remember, discovered
0: MDMA for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably true.
1: Like this is this is where I'm coming from. Is that like I can remember being that age and being so hungry on a job and wanting to impress and wanting to do well that you just like because I remember doing it. Too at that age where you just overstep that bound, not understanding where the hierarchy is because mm-hmm. you're just, you're so hungry and you want to do so well and you want to impress. You got something to prove because you're 20. Like it's
2: like, right.
3: and so
1: that's where I'm coming from. Like, okay, so don't take this personally. This is just someone overstepping. Now you just have to lay the boundary. Fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Send an email. Say everything I'm going to say going, this is not your responsibility. Trust me, you don't want my job. You don't want to play the game of scheduling Tetris. I have to play every week with my ensemble and with an ensemble of 15. Mm. Like you don't have, you don't want to play that game. It's like, it's, the worst. It's, it's the worst. Uh, it's a skill I've honed and developed over years. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's a lot of stress to have to navigate because people change. They get auditions, something comes up. So, and it's like, and especially sometimes better paying work comes up and they have got to choose. You've got to be willing to make the, to make the adjustment and yeah. not take it personally because it's not personal. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you don't want my job. <laughs> Just, you don't want my job. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Leave that job to me. You don't want my job. And then I was like, moreover, if money's an issue, you need to address that with me because it is not the performer's responsibility. Right. Cause they're not getting paid the way they deserve to be paid either. Right. But they understand that they're coming into a profit share show. Mm-hmm. So Everybody's the fact agreed to this. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. agreed to this. And the fact that you've decided to put yourself on a pedestal will not go well in the rehearsal process. Mm-mm. Like, and this is also, what I tried to explain, was like, I want you to understand that you've put a target on your back a little bit. No, one's going to want to work with you. If this is the first, cause she didn't know a lot of these people, mm. this is how you first address mm. these professionals. Oh, and so I'm looking at this big picture going, fuck, she's just created like something that could be really some
3: animosity, some real past. animosity. Yeah. And it's
1: like, and I'm so strict about like, I do my fucking damnedest to not work in that environment. I don't like working in that environment. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone else to feel like they're working mm-hmm. in that environment. And so like I sent her an email and I explain everything very, very clinical, very corporate. Mm-hmm. I learned later. That's not how she read my email. She decided to take it very personally because I've told her no yeah because i've set a boundary and a boundary she does not like <laughs> from there she went behind my back to my business partner now anna and i have worked together for seven years who, sorry, what's anna yeager right? okay. so anna Jaeger. she also goes by the station named belly puck Um, Anna Yeager and I have been working together for seven years high Society cabaret high Society cabaret is her brainchild Um, And I came in because I was kind of shoved in front of her when we were working for another umbrella company I was shoved in front of her going like Noxie knows how to do a bunch of things and then we started working together and we've joked that our relationship is is that I Translate for Anna Sometimes she struggles articulating ideas, but I'll listen to some keywords. She'll say and I'll go Oh, I know what you want. And I'll say it in clear terms to someone else. She's like, you're in my brain. Like, that's what I want. And (laughs) I was like, great. (laughs) Right. I'm also someone who it's like, I'm always looking at logistics. I'm a big picture. I'm equally big picture and small detail kind of person. I look at everything. I'm a problem solver. And um, I've always been there to help Anna fulfill her vision. When she went on her mat leave, her first mat leave, I ended up taking over as operations.
0: For high society. For high society. Okay.
1: Because she had two kids. Yeah. And so, but everything we'd constantly communicate. I'd be running things by her. She'd send me, she still does it. We have a couple of gigs coming up in the next couple of months. She'll still send me things going, this is happening, this is happening. This. like, okay. And I'm there to sit, go, great. Now let's look at details. Right. <laughs> so she's the big idea person. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually the one to rein her in a bit going, okay, now let's look at the logistics. Right. And so her and I have this great communication with each other. Um, we've always, with our company, worked as mom and dad. And it's been a regular dynamic that we've noticed that like, I'm the hard ass I'm mom, I have to say no, but what's often happened is that if mom says no, they'll go around and tell dad forgetting that we're married Right. right. and we're going to talk. And that's exactly what happened in this situation where she went around to Anna and tried to tattle on me and like showed receipts and blah, blah, blah. And was like, I want a phone call. Anna comes back to me without her knowing, of course, and says, so this, this, this performer is upset about this, this, this. I'm reading it. I'm reading how she's interpreting. It. I'm like, oh, okay. And I talked to Anna and I'm like, okay, she's clearly interpreted this. She's taken this personally. She's taken this boundary personally, because as far as Anna knew, she's like, yeah, you did what you always do. You set a boundary. You set the way you want to work. And this person is just not accepting it. And I was like, yeah, that's what's happening. Right. This is exactly what's happening. And so because we're a good partnership, what we'll do is sometimes she'll go, she's like, do you want me to take care of this one? If she's feeling Like threatened by you. Do you want me to take care of this one? Anna's also someone who's a little more um, docile. She's, she's, she's very sweet looking and she's got a very sweet, she's got a sweeter voice than I do. So she's just, she's better sometimes in that conflict resolution because she can sit there and go, okay, dear, and do that thing that I'm not (laughs) always the best at, right? I get it. But this is why we balance each other out because we've been in other situations where it's flipped and she's like, I need you to get at this thing. Got it. Done. And we go. <laughs> right. So we've had this conversation. She's like, I'm going to take care of this. And I was like, okay, great. Thank you. Let you know how it goes. She has a phone call with this performer, this performer in this phone call bullies and gets yelling and aggressive at Anna and says things like I'm abusive That she's a victim of my abuse, that she's partial to my abuse, that she's enabling my abuse. She's using a lot of buzzwords right now around safe spaces to try and get her way. Mm -hmm. Um, She's also said some things that got Anna in a place that Anna told me later. It's like she just wants to do a show with her friends and she doesn't understand why she's being stopped from doing the thing she wants. And that was a phrase that Anna went, I did not like that. Anna for me is my canary in the coal mine. I'm always paying attention and sometimes I can get oversensitive. Anna's not quite in tune the same way I am. So when she says she's not comfortable, right. I follow her. Then you know something's like I know really it's, wrong. I know something's really wrong. Right, right. So Anna's my canary in the coal mine. So Anna's come to me going, I don't like this. I don't like how she talked to me. I don't like what she said. I don't like this, that, and the other. She's like, I don't like how she's warped a situation and made this bigger than it needs to be. Right. As soon as she said that, I was like, good, gone, done, fire her. You're done. Fire. Fire her. Mm -hmm. So have a phone call. And of course, because everyone's and these young people going into, keep in mind, I come from a generation we didn't have safe spaces. Like no one's looking out for us. Mm. We don't have safe spaces. No one's looking out for us. You fucking suck it up and you keep going. You deal with your fucking shit. Sometimes you get fired. Sometimes you get reamed out. That's just the way it goes, Mm -hmm. right? So this safe space shit that's being kind of exploited by a younger generation who like if I'm going to be cynical <laughs> with where I am, hasn't had the chance to suffer enough to know what an unspaced safe looks like. Being uncomfortable and being unsafe are two totally different things. Not getting what you want right. and being unsafe are two totally different things. And this girl, now in hindsight, I'm realizing was like, didn't get what she want and that felt threatening. Having that feel threatening because you're not getting what you want and actually being in danger are two totally different things. Right. And trying to explain that to someone who's already made a decision, can't do it. People make their decisions. You can't change people's minds. You can try, try, but don't count on it. So I've gone, okay, this girl's done. She's already created animosity with the cast without doing anything. We're not even in rehearsals yet. I'm cutting this off the legs. She's gone. I can always get another performer. Mm -hmm. I can always get another dancer and I can always do what I did last time without a fight director, or maybe I'll adventure out and find someone else. Not a big deal, right? Yeah. Shit happens. Have this phone call. She's like, I lock a moderator. And it's like, this doesn't require a moderator because I already know what I'm going to do. And it doesn't require. She asked for a moderator. She on asked the phone for call? a moderator before the phone call. I was like, no, this needs to be done now. This is not something that requires a moderator. I don't think you understand how this works. Was she like going to debate you? Yeah, essentially. Because that's essentially what she tried to do on the phone. So what happened was, is I, I, I said, we need to talk. I'm making final decisions and it's based off your behavior over the past. This was over the span of about three weeks.
3: Oh, that's Mm. a long time.
1: Yeah. So this whole thing unraveled in three weeks, which was like, and shit that was happening in her brain that I obviously didn't know about. Like I watched her jump to conclusions. I was like, where the fuck did that come from? I haven't talked to you. I don't know where this is coming from. Mm. Um, So I'm on the phone with her. And I'm like, listen, and I basically reset my initial email to her going this, 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 to which her response was, well, if you said it that way, I would have understood.
3: <laughs> that I did way. see it that I did <laughs> say it like that.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh. You chose to interpret written text in a way that favored what you wanted to happen. Right. My words were the same.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Like, I don't know how to, how to explain this paradigm to her. And then from that, I was like, I want you to understand I'm the artistic director of this company. And. I'm the boss. And so if I make des- a decision, that decision is final. You don't have a say. Mm-hmm. That's just the We dynamic. don't have a
0: human resources department No, here. we don't Love. have <laughs> HR.
1: And, yeah. and if you're... I asked
0: you
3: for your opinion, I would take it.
1: I would take it. Or and
3: if it's... I wanted your opinion, I would ask for
1: it. And given, and given how things have gone, <laughs> I am within every right to dismiss you, mm-hmm. which is what I'm going to do. You're not on this show. You're not doing this show. I'm going to hire someone else. Find someone else. Like, thank you for what you're going to do. But like, I don't need you right now. I don't want you creating a toxic environment. You've already shown to be very aggressive to me and my business partner. I'm not tolerating that. Mm-hmm. I'm not tolerating that at all. You're gone. Mm-hmm. You're out to which this is where I learned through this phone conversation that I was dealing with a manipulator. I was dealing with someone who does not like being told no and is not used to being told no because now we start going through the cycle. One of the things she tried to pull is a manipulation. She's like, I feel like you took advantage and exploited my work. Honey, you have to have worked for me first for me to exploit it. <laughs> we <laughs> haven't even gotten into rehearsals. Oh, you hadn't even been. Hadn't even been in rehearsals. That's, that's the crazy
0: part. Oh, that's the crazy sorry, part. I didn't realize that. I don't think. I think this entire conversation. I thought rehearsals wouldn't
1: happened. No, nope, hadn't even started. Had not, hadn't had our first rehearsal yet. <laughs> we were still a week away from our first rehearsal. Wow. All this happened before we even stepped foot in a room. It's insane it was insane it was so
0: insane
1: <laughs> it was insane and so I finished this phone call I did the thing like there's tears on the other end and I'm like oh. like and, uh, this is something I wish uh, uh, performers especially when you're in an employment situation understand that like if like firing doesn't happen often I feel like in this scene it doesn't happen often and if it has to happen Holy fuck, it's not fun on my, I don't want to do this. Right. Are you kidding me? I now have to hunt for another dancer. I now have to explain to the entire collective why you're gone. Mm-hmm. I now have to do a shitload work for, and it feels terrible. Yeah. The emotional work that goes into, and I've had to do it a couple of times in my career. It never feels good do I feel relief sometimes afterwards? Yeah, sure. But it never feels good when no. it happens. It's terrible. It like, it keeps me up at night leading up to it. Sometimes yeah, it keeps course. me up at night afterwards. Like the conversations I end up having with my boyfriend or with close friends going, did I do the right thing? Did I handle this the right way? Did mm-hmm. I do everything I could? Did I like, did I do everything I could? Did I give the benefit of the doubt? Was I fair? And right it's never easy. And I wish I could explain that, especially to young people who are starting to misbehave that, like, look at yourself first. If that thread has come apart, like do some analysis yeah. what's happened to get, cause that's not the first place anyone should go to. And I know it's not the first place I go to. I, you've pushed me to that point again, I'm coiled, my rattle's shaking and I'm hissing. <laughs> no, what point sure. do I strike? Yeah.
0: yeah. And you make an excellent point about I think that some of us immediately put the blame on ourselves. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, maybe sometimes it's your fault. Maybe sometimes it's not your fault, whatever. But I, I like, immediately, if something happens, will be like, what did you do to, like, make this situation work? And maybe some that's just, like, some equality some people are born with. Maybe yeah. that's, like, the overanalytical that we talked about before. But I think that I have to, like, understand that other people aren't, don't have that inner voice going, what did you do? Or what did you, you know, and I'm not saying that voice is healthy and I'm not saying it's not healthy. I'm just saying that some people have it. Yeah. You
1: know? I think it's something that needs to be, uh, it's in moderation. Like to me, mm. it's a form of compassion that, that like, if something has happened and you sit there and go, did I have a part in this? I think that's a form of compassion because the last thing you want to do is, is be trouble for someone else. Right. So if there's a way that you can go, cause I do it all the fucking time. I've been forced to too many times to sit back and go, was there a way I could have handled this differently? Was there something different? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And given the information that you have at the time, uh, where you were, the resources, where, how people are behaving, your environment, if your honest answer, regardless of whether it's right and wrong is I did the best I could with the things that I had, Mm -hmm. then that's all you can do. And then after that, it's just dealing with the repercussions, which is like equally uncomfortable and messy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sucks. Oh yeah. It sucks. So this is where we got into a really strange, like I've already been bullied in this situation by this one performer. Yep. This is where it got further. I've fired her because she's dancing. She's, she's dating someone who's been working with me for the past year. Conversely, because I've gone through this dynamic before mm. this person also quits. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sometimes like solidarity, solidarity. I get it. Um, I get it. Solidarity as much as I'm disappointed. It's not my decision. I left the door open for them to make their own decision. I did my best to do that. I can't control other people. If that's the decision you make, I have to respect it. I have no choice. You've made a decision. Cool. That's fine. What's happened now is this performer that I've just fired has now gone on an email and texting rampage to everyone I work with, to my friends, super uncalled
3: for. Oh, so unprofessional.
1: And told them, The same thing that they told my business partner, that I'm abusive, that I create a toxic environment, that I do this this, and people that are currently casted on this show. So, so you obviously see this. I yeah. obviously see this because it's coming back to me. Like I heard about this even months after the fact where it's like people who are like, like some of my closest friends, like, cause here's always a stupid thing. I've come across this situation too many times where someone's felt they've had to have a quote unquote intervention with me, not by talking to me, but by going to my inner circle and complaining about me and asking for answers or asking for justification. So instead of coming to me directly going, Hey, what's going on? They've gone. I don't understand Knox. And then expected the person who's my inner circle to go, yeah, she's a cunt. Like, it's like, (laughs) what do you like? (laughs) What do you want from them? What do you want? Like, are you stupid? Like, in my mind, are you stupid? And are you stupid to think that that information isn't eventually going to get back to me? Mm. And I'm going to judge you harshly and that you couldn't come to me. (laughs) At that point, I mean,
0: like, (laughs) as, as a person, I would think that, like, emailing the entire cast, at that point, you're just like... Why are you setting fires where that aren't? It's like so many bridges burning. Blah blah, yeah. blah, blah blah blah. Well,
1: needless to say that like by and large, <laughs> she showed her true colors to a lot of people and they went, This chick's fucking nuts. I went, <laughs> hey, welcome to the past three weeks. Like <laughs> it's been a lot and it's been a lot of unnecessary drama I didn't want to deal with. And right. I didn't do I didn't do anything to deserve it. Yeah. I literally set a boundary. That's all I did. Right. All I did was as as a boss, I set a boundary on how I want to work, right. I told you how I want to work yeah. in as professional a way as I could. The fact that that's not what you wanted is not my problem. No, that's not my problem. No. So through all this, by and large, I'm getting people going, what the fuck is this insanity? And I'm going, I'm like, I'm having to apologize for her where I'm going, I'm so sorry. This is happening. I'm so sorry. This behavior is happening. And they're going, <laughs> and like, thankfully I do have, there's a couple of friends that are like, are really solid and have known me for years mm-hmm. and go, I'm sorry you're dealing with this shit again, because it's not my first time. (laughs) It's not the first time you've dealt with crazy. Uh, No, it's not. It's not the first time I've done and not the first time I've dealt with situations like this, where someone has been so upset with a boundary or a structure that I've tried to impose that they've decided to like, rally the troops and come against me and take me down and blah 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 like do we want to decide it's the weirdest fucking thing do we want to decipher all the like misogyny and like expectation of women to be docile and soft and the fact that I don't behave like a typical woman in that I'm aggressive and I'm straightforward and I'm I'm decisive like do we want to dissect all of that for me as a woman but never mind Mm -hmm. not the first time I've dealt with it it's a whole other conversation (laughs) but now but she's actually gotten at a couple of people who are picking up on it because remember, she's an emotional manipulator, right? Mm. So she's used the right language to some of the right people to, if I'm being very harsh to people who are weak to it. And so now what's happened is that as much as I have a lot of my friends who are going, this is bullshit, right? I still have people who don't know me well enough Mm. Mm. on on the far outside going. And now I'm getting personality interventions from people I'm not close with where I'm going after coffee date after coffee date after coffee date to be told that no one likes me when I'm angry. No one likes an aggressive woman who, who, who that people are afraid of me and can't approach me that I'm unapproachable. Why
3: are people so entitled to tell you those things? And they, they're not your like best friends. (laughs) It's like my main question.
1: So here's okay. So here's the thing. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. So it took, it took, I've been seeing a shrink for like Eight years I see her every week for a variety of other different I've lived a very exciting life guys <laughs> <laughs> right. I've lived an exciting enough life that yeah. I require I require a shrink <laughs> I'll just put that there. Sure. Okay. I think I personally think
0: everybody should shrink. I think to everybody
1: shrink. needs to shrink. Yeah, I think even the most boring it. individuals need to shrink because you need to deal with the fact that you're boring. But that's me <laughs> personally. But like I like I, I saw her for a number of different things and now this is like as life continues because my life again is very exciting without me having to do very much. And it's evolving and, yeah. <laughs> and it's always evolving and there's yeah. always shit's always gonna happen. Yeah. So, what you have to understand is that is that, yeah, we're going into some misogynistic paradigms about what it's like to be a strong woman. I love when everyone posts the meme on Facebook or Instagram. It's like, strong women, and he less strong women, support strong women. Yeah, until you have to cross one. Mm-hmm. Right. It's now, also
3: interesting, like, strong women in a sexual... Or, like, in an art that's, like, putting your sexuality forward? And apparently you can't be both.
1: I can't be both. Right. So I can't play into these archetypes of sexuality uh, for profit, as I should, or for entertainment, as I should, or just for shits, because why not? Um, But I can't be that strong woman that's going to put her foot down and set a boundary and do the thing. And so with a couple of these talks, especially when a couple of these talks came from male performers, (sighs) talking about... I don't owe you my vulnerability. I don't owe you my softness, it's earned. I have every right to be a bitch when it calls for me to be a bitch, to set a boundary, to lay a line. Mm -hmm. In one performer in particular that happened in October, this performer actually uh, crossed my boundaries uh, as I was, (laughs) I love that I'm talking to dancers. I'm in tech for the monthly that I was running Mm -hmm. um, and doors are opening in 45 minutes. I'm going through tech, I'm having stuff, I'm going through stuff, dealing with tech. Uh, He's hosting for the first time. Hosting the show, I've taken a step back from hosting because I'm like, they've expressed an interest that it's like, I want to host the show. Great, cool, fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's throw you in. Let's see how you do. I didn't get a chance to workshop with them the way I wanted to because producing the show ended up taking more energy than I wanted. 45 minutes the door is open, he's coming at me and he wants to do this big introduction for our audience about like this, this long thing on safe spaces and consent and land acknowledgement and stuff like that. And we haven't had a chance to talk through and dissect it. And those are big topics. Those are big topics. And those are big topics that it's like, number one, I want to do it right. And I don't want you to shit the bed because you represent me right now. Right. Um, I don't want you to shit the bed. We haven't talked about it. Um, There's a specific way that with the clientele I have, because my clientele doesn't like to be preached at. So I'm all for those things. But... They have to be done in a way that my audience isn't going to roll their w- eyes and walk out. Mm. Right. Which is like, can be the
3: case in a lot of performance
1: settings when there's just someone standing on stage
3: telling you things. Preaching. And yeah. I've
1: been at those pre-performances and I like, it's useful, whatever. But even I felt myself go, oh, like it's like, yeah. yes. side note, I was at a show the
0: other day and they did one on global warming. Oh, for fuck's sake. the beginning of a play. <laughs> for so fuck's sake. The director felt that he needed to walk out and do talk about global <sighs> warming and climate
1: change but
0: it's also beginning like, of a show As i'm making a stress face. So.
1: <laughs> but it's also do i want to sit there and watch some white person poorly pronounce a bunch of aboriginal names because it makes them feel like they're doing something about shit no, I don't. I find it's insulting. Like, like I don't like it. I don't what. Mm. it's uncomfortable to watch you mispronounce names and struggle over them because you feel like you need to be a quote unquote good ally. Fuck off. And so this person has come at me 45 minutes before doors and said, I want to do this. And I said, okay, I'm up and open to these ideas, but not for tonight's show. Let's talk about it later. We have a whole other month before we can do it again mm-hmm. next time. We can set a time to do this. We can set it. a time to do yeah. this. Yeah. And so he's like, no, but I want to do it now. No, I'm saying no. I'm saying no. I'm saying no that that we can't do it now. 45 minutes to doors. We don't have the time. I want to make sure we do it right. But we need to do it now. No. I said no to him five times. By the fifth time, do you not think I raised my voice?
0: Because at what point do you just think that they're just going to do it no matter how many times you say no?
1: Like, it's, uh, and here's the thing, is that we're also like... They're obviously not hearing you. (laughs) No, you're not listening. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where this is someone who wants to do advocacy work and blah, blah, blah. And here they am not accepting a no. I don't care that it's not a sexual no. I've said no. Right. I have said no. I have said no. I've said not now. I am absolutely open to these ideas. I think it's something that's important that we address. I think as things are going, like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely but 45 minutes before doors open is not the time. And I haven't heard it or I seen it. No, I don't know. Like, you is it material are... where you're insulting? Like, I yes. never know. really. Like, gonna... I, I, and, and this is the first time this kid has hosted. Like, I don't trust you. Like if it was a more seasoned host, a more seasoned performer, then I'd be like, okay, run it by. What do you want to say? An idea or nay it, but this is someone so fucking green. I don't trust them. I don't trust mm. them to do this. They just don't have the experience, right? I'm giving them a chance. And so part of this personality intervention, he brought this up and I was like, I really want you to understand how many times did I say, no, you talk about consent, you post the memes, you do the things I said, no. Mm-hmm. And you did not take no. Yeah. Yeah. What does that say about you yeah. and your expectation of me as a woman to say yes? Cause it serves you
2: mm-hmm.
1: like, <laughs> And this was the struggle I came across as I'm being bullied by these people and I'm setting boundaries over and over, over the span of about four months, Mm -hmm. like four or five months of just being bullied from outside people of like how I'm supposed to behave, how I'm too aggressive, how I'm this and I'm, and I'm, and these are the same people. These are the same social justice warriors. I hate that phrase, but these are the same people who are talking about in Facebook and on Instagram about equality and not holding women to these expectations. And here you are, you hypocrite. Right. Right. How do you, those aren't aren't obviously not translating. No, they're not. You're not paying attention to what it actually means because no, you don't get my vulnerability. And I remember at one point, this one kid, this, this dude was like, you used to be so open and soft and now you're not. And I wanted to punch him. Oh my God. I was like, given what you've done, what about what you've done has left me open to be vulnerable so, with you? Also right. like
0: that statement is just so, you used to be vulnerable. Ew. So I used to fit into this box of what pleased you. Ew. And now I don't. Ew. Right? <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> Can we just think about that? Like that Gosh. statement in itself. There's so much political. Like, yeah,
1: I can gross. just, it's gross. It felt dirty. Like it's like, and, and I had several meetings with this guy and conversation after conversation after conversation of me having to explain this feeling just. Dis- disgusting about myself mm-hmm. and going through every, uh, social manipulation that he could, that he could go through. Same thing that's, I've been bullied my whole life. So like some of this stuff was like same trailer, different park. Right. And I'm <laughs> so familiar with these tactics now that I can identify them as they're happening. And I've now just started getting good at calling them as they're happening. So one of the things he does, everyone's scared of you. People are afraid to approach you. Everyone thinks you're too aggressive to which I went, hang on. Who's everybody. <laughs> Let's talk about an emotional manipulation tactic called what I like to call, um, the, the invisible mob. Mm -hmm. It's when you have an issue, you're feeling things, but you're going to phrase it to the individual as if everybody thinks this. Now, all of a sudden your personal grievance is mm -hmm, five, 20, a hundred people. Now all of a sudden it does feel like the world is against you. And it's Everybody a mission be- tactic. What? Yeah. Like it, it could be, it could be, it, fuck, it could only be one person. Yeah. It could be that <laughs> person. That yes. person there yes. And yes. They you are. are too fucking cowardly yeah. to own their own emotions right. and to own their own feelings mm-hmm. and their own feelings around you. And that's a whole other paradigm. And again, that's not a me problem anymore. That's a you problem. You are projecting a you problem onto me mm, when yes. it's not my problem.
3: Right. If you don't want to be around me, if you feel threatened by me, you need to take yourself out of this picture.
1: Yes. Stop talking to me. Stop, Stop talking to me.
3: <laughs> like it's literally that
1: simple. Like, like I am not forcing this interaction. No, you have, you've invited me to this. No. <laughs> so you crazy. have reached yeah. out to me. This is you. Yeah. And this is something that I had to wrestle with all through this year. As I'm going through a bunch of other shit mm-hmm. is how people were projecting these problems that were theirs onto me as I'm trying to per- pick myself up after everything's falling apart. Right. And part of it was this bullying that started from this one fucking chick Ugh. that just lasted months. That's crazy. And it's this bullying, and, it, and this is something I'm starting to be very sensitive to it. This idea of like what I'm starting to call liberal bullying, where it's people who are left-leaning, who they have, mm, fuck, their heart is kind of in the right place. They're feeling the world's pain. They're feeling this, that, and the other. I'm going to briefly note that most of the people who pull this are white. Let's not get into that backwards logic. Like, it's like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. let's not get into that backwards logic around their guilt of privilege. But they're going around and and now they're thinking eye for an eye with it when that doesn't help the problem, that doesn't solve the problem. And it's also, you're not communicating the problems that are there to find solutions. You're still trying to get an upper hand Mm -hmm. because you see this as a win lose. Mm-hmm. not as a solution. Mm. Interesting. And that's the problem is that in your mind, there has to be a loser and there has to be a winner. Is there not a way that we can do this where everyone walks away a winner? Is it still uncomfortable? Fuck yes. Is it still awkward? Fuck yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. But there has to be a way where any party involved in any of this kind of conflict can walk away going, that was awful, but right. I feel ready to move forward. Mm hmm. And as I started coming across these personal conflicts, as they're being projected on me, I'm starting to analyze, okay, what can I do now? Because I can't control other people. And I can't control the fact that this is how they've chosen to interpret things. This is how they've been chosen to interpret me. This is how they've chosen to go about this. I can't control that. It's frustrating as all fuck. We all just want to be understood. But I can't control that. Mm -hmm. What can I control? I can control what I do. I can control my perception. So, for some of these people, I cut them off. Yeah, you can control those in your life. I can mm-hmm. control those in my life. Yeah. So, it's like it got to a point where this one dude, it was very, I was, I was quite proud of myself. <laughs> After months of going through this personal interrogation with this one guy, um, I sat down with him, final sit down in a coffee shop, and I looked at him and I said, I'm done. I'm not willing to play the villain in your narrative anymore. I'm not willing to do these meetings where you assassinate my personality and make me feel bad about myself. I'm not willing to be this punching bag because you feel bad about the world. I'm not willing to do this anymore. I'm done. And I fired him. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I won't work with you. And I can't promise that if someone asks what it's like to work with you, I will say praise. Mm -hmm. Right. I can't make that promise. Right. Based off your interaction with me, I want you to understand how you burned this bridge. Mm -hmm. And you had utter control based off everything I gave you to not do it. I asked you to stop. I don't know how many times there even came a point in this conversation with him. I was like, you've hurt me and I don't trust you. And these are the things that I need you to do in order for you to earn my trust back or to at least give me the reassurance that you're not going to do this again. So I even gave him the tools in our own conflict to make it better, to make it better. And he refused to do it. Instead, he got caught in his own ego going, well, I've worked with this organization. I met with this person and now I have all these tools. Yeah, you have all these tools and you're not using them.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm right here and I'm telling you what I need and telling you what I need from you and how I need to move forward. Mm -hmm. And you're not meeting me.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. At what point do you go? I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Right like
3: safety and sanity and (laughs)
1: It yeah. was literally for my own safety and sanity where yeah. I had to go, I can't do this anymore. And then I started cutting off other people that were starting in line with that where it's like, it didn't start. And I mean, like, like blocked on Instagram and Facebook, like, it's like, again, a lifetime of bullying. I'm very good at cutting off access to myself if I don't want you to see me. Right. Like it's, it's a, it's a weird talent I have where it's <laughs> like, cause I've had to do it in so many different occasions where it's like someone has either done something to me or done something that I'm uncomfortable with I can't control them I can't control that person I can control me though mm-hmm. and so even in, in situations like this you could be sitting right there and if I decide that like I don't want you to exist you will literally not exist to me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, for everybody that's listening oh. she just turned to her back to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry <Kate. laughs> It's, it's this yeah. weird, it's this weird talent that I've developed right. as a coping mechanism because I've been in this situation so many times that it's like, cause I don't, I also don't think it's fair to, uh, cause I see it so often I just don't think it's fair to like ruin your life, ruin your job. Like, no, that's, like, like, like the, that's not
2: fair.
3: People that want to do that are bananas. Oh my God. They're nuts. People that think that that's appropriate are I think this is going to like wrap back to where I want to like go before we have to wrap. Yeah. Um, but without naming the studio, I want to talk about what happened
0: before they gave you the cease and desist. Oh
1: my God. Wait. Can I just
0: say one thing first before we get into that studio talk is, um, it is crazy to me that because that's high society cabaret, it's established, but it's also still like a small company, right?
1: We're still so
0: small. Right. But like, it's interesting that employees felt that because... I wonder if they take advantage of because it's still small and because they have access to you and because there's no human resources. Do you think that at this is how the dancers would approach directors? Do you think this is how they approached Jerome Robbins when he was on Broadway? Good fucking Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. it's interesting yeah, yeah. that because you're small or because you're building, that dancers feel that they can... Or employees, I shouldn't even say dancers, sorry. Employees feel that they can approach and kind of like berate you a little bit in a way to make, I don't know how to like. It's, it's crazy. crazy. It's just so interesting. It's to this make.
1: weird contradiction where it's like, yeah, Even we're smaller. We aren't your
0: friends, kind of like what yeah, you're talking yeah, yeah. about. Like, yeah, Like it's like it's
1: this weird contradiction where it's like we're yeah. still small. Like we've only been around seven years. Like yeah. I don't have funding. What I did totally. was I balanced the budget off ticket sales, and I made projections, and I fucking hustled our sales. Like it was sales. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't just an arts job. It was a sales job mm-hmm. when it came to my company. But it's like because I'm I'm trying to establish a status quo because I'm trying to. Um, find ways to work in an independent environment where we don't have funds. And let's be real. I don't care. I saw it on fucking uh, the Dance Currents Instagram where it's like, real professionals pay their dancers. And I was like, real professionals should get funding. What are you doing about that? Like, (laughs) Let's be real. How many of us are actually getting funding? None of us. (laughs) (laughs) No one. And, the, you're, and you you're mean in a, the
0: same group of twenty people is getting funding?
1: So like the same group of people is getting funding, and the rest of us are like getting scraps when we can get scraps, and then trying to figure it out based off pick a thing. Yeah. Don't fucking tell me that performers have to pay their performers equity rates. You're not giving the funding. Fuck off! Mm-hmm. Like it's just like I get so pissed when they get on their high horse like that. Like you're you're speaking from the top floor of the penthouse, wondering why we're all wet down outside on the sidewalk. <laughs> fuck off! Yeah,
2: like, just fuck you. Throw <laughs> <Drop> an umbrella.
1: <laughs> you're not even chucking down an umbrella. You an umbrella from the fucking 45th floor. Yeah, but like a like, tissue, kill someone. <laughs> you know, right? But it's like the, you're right. Like it's it's this weird contradiction. It's like you're going to hold me to an impossible standard, giving I don't have those resources. I don't have the funds. I I don't. Have the funds not only just for the company to treat you and pay you well, but I don't have the funds to hire someone else to help navigate this while I'm doing 17 other jobs Mm -hmm. with how many other people who have their own lives and problems that I'm having to deal with as they come? Yeah, like it's just me, (laughs) yeah, and it's like you're right, they don't do that because they have yeah. people to handle it. And they have the money and the structure because they have the money to set that up. Yeah. I also feel like I shouldn't have
0: used because like that organization in itself is just like riddled with problematic people and situations, but maybe a better, like a more contemporary <laughs> well, company. Well, let's I should be have used real. Yeah. Every
1: organization has their problems. Yeah. Every organization has their hiccups. Not everyone's going to get along. And this is something I wish I could explain to a younger generation coming up. Is that like, <laughs> having done it, sometimes you do a love scene with somebody you hate. Sorry. That's just the way it goes. But if you're going to be a professional. It's just a love scene. It's make-believe because I've actually done that. I've had to make out with people I despise because that's what the work called for. Yeah. And you go your separate ways and you don't talk to each other when you're not working. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's awkward, but fucking figure it out. Like you're, you're not going to get along with everyone and that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make them a bad person. No. It you just can seems... still work together. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Very true.
1: Just don't be a dick <laughs> very true. So with, um, sorry, I didn't
0: mean to interrupt with the, studio, okay. <laughs> with the studio.
1: What happened is that I had for years been using, uh, other mistreatment, other studios to this particular studio to explain to them what was happening. And I essentially gave them warnings mm. of like, I want you to be aware that this is what's happening at this studio where one studio in particular fired someone for being pregnant, definitely illegal. Um, and another, I'm getting, not getting paid from another studio. I'm not getting communication from another studio. And so I'm going to this, what I considered my home studio at the time. Right. And I'm telling them, and it's like, this is what's happening in other places. In other places. So be better. So be better. better. Yeah. You say you're better, be better. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you some of the misgrievances I've had. And now I'm trying to tell you, and especially when I officially quit back in 2016, I quit because I was burnt out. I wasn't being heard. I wasn't being supported. I, my, my qualms were not being taken seriously. And so I burnt out and I went, I'm done. Like, I'm very good at knowing where my limit is and walking away. It's, mm-hmm. it's the one, it's, it's how I could take a break. The hardest fucking thing I did, but like, I know when to walk away. I actually do. I don't, I, I only fight for so long before it's not. So I warned the studio about it going this, that, and the other. I was very vocal with my grievances. Mm -hmm. I was very vocal with what was and was not working. I was vocal up to that point of going because the summer before I was scheduled to sub, I don't know how many classes. And I think a third of them ran. Right. Which meant
3: because their drop in
1: policy is super fucked up. Their drop in policy is like flawed. I get by numbers. I understand, but it's not functional like it's a it's a very it's a very communist way of looking at how that policy works so uh and i brought it up with them going it's like you're not promoting me as a sub and i have a clientele that i can bring and a clientele that follows me um why aren't you promoting me why aren't you promoting me doing this thing why are you not bringing the income so you're not out money and i'm not out money and both of us can pay our rent i don't understand why you're not Mm -hmm. setting this up and I kept coming around and I even kept doing things like offering them programming to bring in clientele, especially the burlesque pr- programming that I wanted to do, um, offering them solutions. Like I, I kept offering things. They don't have to take it, but I'm at least mm-hmm. offering. I'm going, Hey, can we try doing this? I'm going to try doing this. Can I make a suggestion? Like blah, blah, blah. Right. And they're not listening to it. Um, and then it just finally came to a point where I'd lost so much money that I went like, guys, I'm not doing this. Like you're not supporting me. You're not listening to me. And then you're making it my fault. And so the straw that broke the camel's back is that because I was so vocal about these concerns, they actually changed parts of their subbing policy mm. because of me. Now it's because of me, because I brought it forward, but they didn't tell me that they changed those policies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, when they did finally tell me that they changed policy because of me, the tone that they said it, cause it was over the phone was we changed policy because of you. You mean you changed a flawed policy because I told you it was inefficient, right? You mean you, the thing you probably should have done without me having to tell you that it wasn't functional. I was just the first one to say it because from my perspective, I was, before I brought it to them, I was hearing it from everybody else. I'm always, I'm always, that's the the thing,
3: this is the thing with this studio, everybody fucking says the same thing, everyone says the same thing, and nothing changes, when you're done in your story, I have a story, oh yeah you do,
1: (laughs) (laughs) everyone has one now, because the teachers are dropping like flies right now, yeah. They all are like, everyone's leaving. Everyone's leaving. Like everyone's, I'm hearing stories because every now and again, someone rings, but cause they want to do it as gossip. But part of me is like, I started a domino. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> like I'm like, good. and that <laughs> brings me an odd bit of satisfaction right. that like, <laughs> like as much as I took the brunt, this is what helps me as much as I took the brunt, Fine. Someone has to be the first one to step forward. But if I can step forward on this to give someone else just enough courage to go, wait a second great. I've done my job. I'm willing to take that hit. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm strong enough. I'm resilient enough. I've gone through this. I don't know how many times I'll fucking take it. Mm-hmm. I'll take the first hit. If that means someone else is going to come to the front line too. Mm-hmm. So you, they changed policy because they changed policy because, of yes. me. um, I got at them hard when they didn't invite me to the staff meeting that was I'm, mandatory that, and unpaid. That was mandatory and unpaid that technically I'm still on staff, <laughs> but was not invited because I'm only a sub and I don't have regular classes. But they changed the policy because me and I explained to them why I wanted to be there because I wanted to talk about the policy, the policy (laughs) and talking about what it's like to sub and maybe talk to the teachers directly to go, Hey guys, as a sub, as a sub, yeah, this would be really helpful if you helped us cross promote, if you helped us do this, if you, if you built us up a bit because in that studio particularly, they're so loyal to teachers that if the teacher's not there, they don't show up. Yes, Mm. that hurts everybody. Yes, that hurts everybody in that business. So how do you keep the clientele there and accepting because you're dancers. Mm-hmm. You know. You shouldn't just train with one teacher. You no. should train with everybody. It know. makes...
0: Also, I will say, just like my own anger, it pisses me off that studios all of a sudden think that it's a good idea to have one teacher for everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I quit the first time. <laughs> <laughs> like, <It worked> out. <laughs> at what point, like, let's be
0: honest, nobody is a fucking amazing at everything. No. Acro, ballet, jazz, Broadway. No. no. Everything. No. No. And I'm going to be honest, you're going to get bored. The teachers going to get bored. The students are going to get bored. You're going to get tired. I was burnt. I was burnt out on every fucking level,
1: every fucking level. Mm. But it's like, yeah, it was one thing after another. And then the phone call I have inevitably had when I did the super shady thing of taking the workshop I was running and literally just upped it and put it in a new location and dropped the rate. Yeah, it's unethical. Yeah, it's unprofessional, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not an idiot and like, I, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I could get a studio for cheap in terms of my bottom line, in terms of my budget. I could drop the price because with the numbers I was going to bring in, I was going to make five times more than I would have made it at that studio with the same workshop, with the same effort. And, all, and I could still drop my price to my clientele. Because Let's be real. They were my clientele Mm -hmm. because they were there to, see, especially as a burlesque workshop, they were there for me, not the studio. Right. And that was something I told them too. People don't go to dance studios for the studio. No. They go for the teachers. Mm -hmm. And if you don't treat your teachers right, and if you don't support them, your clientele is going to leave. No one's loyal to a studio brand. They're loyal to teachers. So treat your teachers well. And, and they will stay. Treat your people well and your
3: people will treat your clientele well. Yes. I have learned that from so many other studios oh my that I've worked at. like I'm going to shout out to Bar 3. I've worked there for over two years. I am treated so well by like Amy, the owner, and by the community of people and teachers and front desk and everybody that's there that that just resonates in me so much that I give so much to my clients. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's the opposite spectrum for like dance studios that I've worked
1: at. Yeah. Which is dance studios are fucked up right now is because it's, it kind of goes back to that idea of being a small company. It's like, but dance studios, like you're a small business, you're a small business, but you're a small business that actually has a regular income. You're balancing a budget, which means, yeah, you should be held to a high standard now. Yeah. You're a small business. Yeah. You have your trials, but then that means that you have an obligation, especially when you've been around as long as this studio has, Right. like you have an obligation to start looking into resources like HR. That studio has been around for what, 18 years now?
0: Yeah. It's almost uh, two decades.
1: Yeah. It's almost two decades.
0: That they means... don't have an HR department. No, no, no. What? How, and even, how are you even allowed to operate without an HR department at that, with that, like that?
1: Like, and it's one of those things where know. it's like, in terms of like, in my experience with business, like, cause I've got you know, everything I've learned in business has been like, Part because of networking and because I ask a lot of questions when I go to those people, but part from trial and error for myself, Mm -hmm. I'm realizing like, what checkpoint do I want to look into this? And yeah, finances have a big thing to do. But as a dance studio bringing in income, you should be balancing a budget. You should have your budget in line where it's like you can give your your teachers a minimum Mm -hmm. for every class they teach. That should be no matter what, no matter matter what what department. It should be, that should be in your budget as your operations budget. It should. And that should be sh- not undercutting people. You should not be undercutting people. And then at that point, part of what you put into that budget is the salary for someone who does work HR. So it's not the artistic directors. It's not the owners of the business who are doing it. It is someone else who handles it. Who's who, impartial. Who's impartial, who helps implement policy, yes. who helps to, and like, and a studio like that, absolutely. But chooses not to because... Ah, It's money. And dance studios, when they're run... This is my criticism now. Dance studios, when they're run by dancers and when they're run by people who have worked in a dance industry, who don't work in administration and haven't worked in different types of business, don't think about what's good for the business or the clientele. They inevitably see dollar signs and they become selfish. Yes. And now it's about cutting corners. I would agree. And making sure that, you know, you can put the down payment on your BMW. The number of studios I've worked for where it's like, this studio owner's pulled up in a Maserati, and I'm like, the fuck? And I'm only getting 25 an hour? What the fuck is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> and this was no exception. And your the, class like, size is 30 people. If I crunch the numbers, I mean, we could talk to pay to play performances in the commercial industry too about how that budget doesn't line up either. Uh-huh. But like, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that's a whole other thing where it's like, I'm looking at the numbers, I'm like, 30 ahead, capacity of 600. And no one's getting paid. Wait. (laughs) And studios are starting to look the same way where it's like 25, a class, a capacity of 30. And this is your bottom line. That doesn't make sense. There's numbers missing. Yeah. Where are you hiding it? Uh, mm -hmm. So
3: my story is I went to my director of my program and was like, hey, if I ask for a raise, will you support me? Do you think I deserve this? Am I doing well? My, how are my kids doing? Like compared to last year, all of these. Things. Oh, you were
1: doing the youth program. Yes. Oh no. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, positive, <laughs> a positive makes sense to me. Sorry, because youth and recreational—that's a big thing that doesn't make sense to me about that place—is that this place is that <laughs> youth and recreational programs is where you make your money. Yeah. Why are the teachers getting paid significantly
1: the youth almost program, half. Yeah, the youth yes. yeah I don't understand why the youth program because I started with the youth program. Yeah. And then made my way up to the adult classes. Um, because I, I I've been teaching since I was fifteen. I was I I just closed that chapter. <laughs> it was like I was done working with kids. Like yes, we did it. <laughs> yes. We did it, we're done. Um, <laughs> but I don't understand that either. I don't understand. Cause it's like, it, like you, I
3: understand that as like a program, you want to be financially on your own. And I understand like wanting to prove your own worth, but sure. they need to support each other or else, there's going to be a disconnect. They're
1: still part of the same studio. And yeah. inevitably it they're should be. They're under the same name. They're under the same umbrella. Like inevitably it should be a mentoring. It should almost look like a mentoring paradigm for the youth program, especially because the youth program, that that studio yes. has, always, has always failed in terms of their marketing, has always failed in terms of bringing in numbers, mm-hmm. has often failed in terms of communicating with parents. And then I'm the go-between because I'm the teacher because I'm the face. Yeah. And then I have to negotiate with parents. Another mm-hmm. reason why I left teaching children is that after all the parents just got too much. Um, it's always the parents. It's always the parents. Yeah. Um the kids are fine. The kids are kids. It's the parents that I'm like, "You're a fucking adult. Like grow the fuck up." Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus fuck. You are in your 30s, lady. Like fuck off. <laughs> <But> I'm going <laughs> to
0: say it again. Everybody needs a therapist. Yes. Everyone needs a therapist.
1: <laughs> Moms, dads, everybody. Uh, I'm sorry. sorry you didn't make it by 14. Please lay off little Sally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> um, I don't know
2: what
3: so like i didn't go so i went to my director i was like my numbers are good my retention is good for the same kids the entire time i'm here they're mm-hmm. getting so much better like their recital numbers were flawless this year mm. and i was like on theme on brand whatever 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 i'm always available i'm always picking up classes i was even subbing in the adult program whenever i could yep and so i was like if i go to the directors of the school will you support me in asking for a raise She was like, yes, I think you're due for one, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, great. Okay. And I asked her for my schedule for the next year. She gave it to me. Great. So I'm like, already know that I'm like still going to be employed. I write a formal letter to the studio directors because I don't really know them. I don't have a personal relationship with them. So Mm -hmm. I state what I want, Mm -hmm. why I deserve it, what they're going to get in return very formal. Like I'm going to take on more. I want to start moving into adults. I want to be more available in the studio. I want to be around more. You fucking did your work around this. Yes. Like, it's like you really like CC'd everybody <sighs> sent it to all of them. Yeah. Was like, I'm going to do this by the books because this is what I think I deserve. I reached high because I wouldn't going to
1: negotiate yes. lower.
3: Yes. That's what you do. But I still didn't reach as high as cattle rates, which for everybody knows like $50 an hour. Yep. But it was like close, close. Yeah. And, they're like, "Yeah, come in for a meeting." And I'm like, "Cool." I go in, I sit down, I'm like, "Ready to negotiate. I know which number I'm going to settle on. I know which I won't." So if I walk away, it's like on my choice. Yep. They fire me. What? What? Yeah. They literally go, "We're terminating your contract."
1: But it's <gasps>
3: But it's not because you asked for a raise.
1: Bullshit. I call bullshit.
3: No, it actually
1: is. It is. It's
3: bullshit. It's bullshit because the person they hired me, they are now paying more than they were paying me. And I know that because I asked her, the yeah. first time I saw her, we know her. We know her, and I like saw her out at a party, and I sit down with her, and I'm like, "Girl, how much are they paying you?" She's like, "This makes me uncomfortable." I was like, "You have to tell me." You that. have to
2: tell me. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other
1: fucking thing with the dance community, and especially in Canada, it's like no one talks about money. Fucking start talking. Start sharing your rate with yes. everyone. Start telling everyone what you're paid, because we need to. If we're if we're going to come anywhere close to be creating a union or creating some sort of structure mm-hmm. or are holding each other accountable, we have to start talking. Yeah. You have to start talking about money. Yeah. That's how. I learned that it's like, I, Oh fuck me. I've been teaching since I was 15. I've got a degree in this fucking shit. Like I went to Ryerson, I got the BFA. Like it's like, I've got so much work experience. I've got, I've got work experience coming out of my wazoo. Right. There are certain jobs that I've taken that I'm so overqualified for, but I'll take the money. Also, it's a great group of people who doesn't want a good time. Like it's great. (laughs) Or if I really like the content and I'm like, I'm sweating my balls off. This is great. Like, it's like, you know, there's lots of reasons why you can take a gig. Yes. I learned after I left, Mm -hmm. which of course they told everyone that it's like they terminated me and it's like, yes, you're okay, right? (laughs) Okay,
3: guys. (laughs) Whatever you want to (laughs) think.
1: Whatever you want to think, but I screwed you over and I screwed you over on purpose because I was making a point. I learned that two of my male counterparts with less teaching experience, with less education than me, were getting $10 more an hour than I was because they have penises that's why Uh, that's why i love that holy fucking shit Mm -hmm. like and it's something that that's a whole other fucking topic of talking about the dance community and how it's male populated but not female dominated fuck like how many chicks are just like we're getting undercut there's less jobs but there's more of us we don't get the same passes that the dudes do i can't tell you how many times i've watched a male dancer misbehave and keep his job when i know if he had a vagina he'd be fired oh i had a meltdown about that last year Well, I had I had a drink. Had it during our last show. Another twenty-year-old dancer, young twenty-year-old dancer who didn't do the work was canceling five minutes before rehearsals would start. Didn't uh. know the content, and we're in tech. We're in tech, and he doesn't know the choreography at all. These three other dudes that are dancing with him in this group piece have all done their homework. Even the guy who missed a week of rehearsals is fucking hustling, and I can see it. Does he have the choreography perfect? No, but I can see he's working. He's doing his fucking damnedest. I can't get angry at that. He's doing his fucking best. I also know this dancer well enough that I'm like, you are going to get to show you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> I'm just going to watch you freak out for a bit. It's going to be fine. But <laughs> this fucking 20-year-old little shit. <laughs> and I'm coming out, I'm going, guys, you know, in the choreo, blah, 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 blah. The girl, the girl ensemble is behind a couple of the main characters. And all of a sudden, he gets caught up in his feelings and he's like... I just don't like being treated this way. And in the professional world, this is what we do in the professional world. We're treated like this. See, I felt (laughs) the whole room just go (gasps) and expand. Uh. This is a kid that has talked through every rehearsal I've run when I'm explaining something that he should be listening to. How many times did I turn and go, you need to shut up while I'm explaining this correction. Mm -hmm. That definitely applies to you he's also if it doesn't you should still be listening you should still be listening don't be uh, a dick like it's like you know what i mean and hasn't hasn't shown up to certain rehearsals has been difficult to work with uh hasn't been respectful to his partners has been very aggressive in partnering the women he's been partnering like it's just been a fucking headache fucking headache and now he pulls this whole professional thing i saw red yeah i don't get angry easily <laughs> and i don't get angry often and i saw red and i felt everyone in the room just like experience Band. Do this, and as I'm, I'm tearing this kid a new asshole. Like I, like what else do you do? I'm totally tearing this kid a new asshole. I seldom do it, but this guy deserved it. One by one, the dancers that are in the in the audience behind me are finding their phones and <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not looking, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. Like like literally, I can feel their awkwardness as they're like, oh look, emails. Like yeah. as they are going, because they don't want to be here to watch this annihilation. I feel bad for everyone because no one wants to be... We've all been in the room when something like that has happened. It's super awkward. It's not fun. And the girls could at least leave. Mm. My three boys. (laughs) Oh, no. Even though I'm talking to this fucking kid, the three boys are anchored there on the receiving end of this, knowing it's not about them. Like, bless their hearts. I felt bad for the boys afterwards. I was like, they did not need to be, like, in traffic for that in like spitting distance distance (laughs) of it but like bless their hearts those other three boys and they knew they knew i wasn't talking about them they knew that Mm -hmm. i felt bad because it's super awkward um one of of them was sebastian herenstein and he's he's like i know him and him and i are good friends i know he's been in a scene like that too many times Mm. for it to face him the same way anymore (laughs) so i'm watching him just sit there go (laughs) <laughs> and not his head. Yeah. But it's like, one of the other boys, it's like, I know he's seen scenes like this before, so he's just like, he's just kind of taking it. This kid who, like, doesn't know me well enough, like, bless his heart, is just going through it, knowing it's not about him. And I felt bad for those boys because they could not move. Yeah. There was no, the girls got to at least escape <laughs> and go to another room. The boys were stuck there yeah. as I reamed out this little asshole yeah. <laughs> for doing right. that. And it was just like, it's, it's, uh, there's, uh- I find it really troubling
0: in like, I mean, I had a really awful moment last year, like as an, because I was like frustrated because it felt like I was tired of hearing. And I understand there are certain politics that men go through and boys go through being in the dance world and being <sighs> it, like you said, women populated, but also I'm really tired of hearing this excuse of like, well, we need a, a, a man's opinion or we need a men's view. And that's why this person's in it. Oof. And I, I'm like, cool. But like, do we just because that's- he's there, could he be stating the same thing as me and his, his point getting across better because it's kind from of a man's point or is what he's saying so much better than what I'm saying that it's. And I yeah. had a moment. It was like on international Women's day where like so- something and it happened. <gasps> irony. <laughs> oh,
2: irony. And something had happened and
0: he like a similar situation gotten picked because, you know, penis points, et cetera. And I was like on the train having a meltdown and somebody was like, Happy International Women's Day. And I was like, oh God, what does that even mean? What do you fucking mean if like in our own institutions in Canada, in Toronto, at a liberal you like setting that doesn't fucking mean shit it doesn't mean shit
1: and do you know what don't talk to me on the subway like, <laughs> I like I like that it very quickly escalated to like banshee squeals <laughs> like because like, we've all been there. Oh, was, it, 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 yeah. Fuck it, it is it is something it is something to be said about how some of these boys get away with shit. And the girls don't. Yeah. And, it's, and it's just, oh, it pisses me off. And it's also a new generation of dancers coming in that haven't been taught how to work. Mm-hmm. Like, and the boys especially because they get so many fucking passes. They get yeah. so many fucking passes to it. Ugh. And if it comes, there was actually a time at High Society Cabaret where it's like, I had another male performer. He doesn't work with us anymore. Um, he essentially retired from dancing. Um, and I remember one show we did. It was just like, see, this is the breath of experience I've had. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of years with my own company where it's like by virtue of some of the dancers I was working with at the time, um, it didn't matter what I choreographed and what I did, they had to fight me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it, I think we've all been in those working situations. Like think, go back to school where, you're like, especially if you went to university and you had to create pieces and you had to create pieces with mm-hmm. classmates, how many times did those classmates contradict you and fight you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, now imagine doing that in a professional setting as you're trying to make money off it. Right. That was a good couple of years, of high-society cabaret with a bunch of performers. And, like, those performers obviously don't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was constantly fighting my own choreography. And one show in particular, I tested it. I tested it. I was like, I wonder if part of this has to do with the fact that you're taking orders from a woman. And this guy happened to be kittening this show. Kittening uh, in burlesque is when they're picking up the clothes, and, like a stagehand. Um, picking up the clothes and sometimes setting the scene and setting the thing for the next performer. And so I tried a thing... And it yielded the, resp- the responses I wanted, which I hated. I made him give notes, literally whispered in his ear to say what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And he gave the notes to the dancers. Sure enough, the same notes I'd been giving for weeks were now done in an instant because it came from a male voice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All of a sudden, the things that I was told were unreasonable, were rational and sound when it came from him. Ooh. Oh, there were lots of points where it felt disgusting. And the lead up that went to that was because I had a meltdown in a rehearsal because no one was listening to me and they were fighting me. And they were literally just not do- a couple of the dancers that are still working with me that were in the room on that rehearsal. Like one in the particular, she she regularly says it where she's like, I don't understand why people just can't follow directions when you give it to them.
3: Also oh, there's like a hierarchy.
1: There is a hierarchy. Right. There's always a hierarchy. Well, it's again, to like, would this have happened at
0: the National? Would this have happened at that? No. no. Who did the National Ballet just bring in?
1: Uh, oh fuck. Uh, shit. Uh, blah.
3: They just did like a whole like brand new show. No one's fighting him when he's in the room giving. No. Fucking choreographer. Do you think
0: they're doing that at priority? Per- no.
3: Yeah. No. No. <laughs> so. But
0: like, that's the problem. Like, yeah, it's it's
3: part of the problem. Yeah. We have to ask you the question before we wrap. Okay. Yes. Uh, is being an artist
0: fucking killing you.
1: Oh my God. Fucking goddamn suck. <laughs> Cunt sucking motherfucker. Does that answer your question? <laughs> She's in the grave right now. Actually, <laughs> Here's the thing though. And this is something that like I was telling you about my summer and how I had, I had a good summer, but like I, I, because I had to walk away, like I literally had to, I, I was in a very unique position after the last show, after everything on that last show, which I didn't even touch on what happened with that process that made me walk away. I yeah. had to. I didn't want to, I had to. Um I had the rare opportunity after walking away in June From everything about my dance career my teaching my creation my company I walked away from it I had the opportunity to literally start over and I went through an identity crisis because if I'm not dancing if I'm not creating if I'm not doing the thing that I've literally changed my life to do who am I
3: oh my god I feel that so much
1: like what am I doing why did I why did I waste why did I waste 30 years of my life 30 years of my existence on this thing that bore no fruit. I don't have a legacy. I don't have a paycheck. I've got nothing. Who the fuck am I? And I spent that summer really thinking about it and then asking myself after I found joy and found who I was and found that I was a person outside of my dancing. And then I sat there and I had to ask myself, well, is this still the thing that you want to do? Mm-hmm. And it was a hard question given how the past year and a bit has gone and given all the hardships I went through and some of them I didn't even touch here there was so it was such a bombardment over the span of seven months Mm -hmm. that like the number like in all honesty because I know you guys have talked about mental health here and stuff like that in all honesty I spent six months questioning whether I wanted to be on this planet Mm -hmm. like really ask like and and setting up because again not my first rodeo setting up my watchtowers to make sure I just stayed alive and doing those check ins, like that's how bad it got. And so by summer, I'm sitting there and I'm asking, well, it's like, what the fuck do you want? Okay, you're starting to find who you are again. Now, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with it? Do you want to even go back? And I had the opportunity to not. There was nothing holding me. There was nothing holding me. And after taking time off and spending time and finding joy and talking to people, um, and talking to people closest to me and people who know me and people who have known me throughout decades, some of them. Um, the answer came back to go, no, this is something that lives within you. It's something that by August I was feeling in my body again. I could feel my body want to move. I could listen to music and I could have visions again and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And it never came back. that it's like, no, this is, it, it's not who you are, but it is something that's going to be part of your existence. Okay, great. At least we have that. <laughs> And now the question is, as I've come off this sabbatical, come off this hiatus, um, and I'm very gingerly starting to put my feet back in the water, is, okay, if this is what you want to do, but now the bigger question is, but how do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. Right. It didn't work. You tried a bunch of stuff. It didn't work. You tried what people told you you're supposed to do. You tried doing the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. You tried... The suggestions that you've gotten, because I'm always listening to, especially people who know me and people who have worked in the industry and worked more than I have to go try this, try this, try this. Okay, you've tried those things. They didn't work. What are the answers now? What are the answers that haven't been discovered yet in terms of how you want to work and how you want to do things? And this is where I've learned I'm finding frustration right now is I'm going to be working on blazing a different methodology of success as a dancer as a choreographer, as a creator, that maybe hasn't been done or considered before. It's a lot of pressure, <laughs> it's very scary, and something that I've really worked hard over the past couple of weeks, especially, to resonate is that people are gonna criticize it. People are gonna judge, people are gonna tell you you won't, people will go back into the same things we just talked about, that you're too harsh, you're too aggressive, you can't do this, no one's gonna like you if you do this, you're not gonna do this, you're not gonna make mo- like People are gonna try to dissuade you from it. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out a way to keep those people out. <laughs> yes. Totally. As well as the people in your head that are gonna say those things without you them. Have to saying not read it. the comments. Mm-hmm. Don't read the comments. Like it's and at the same time, go play. The point of innovation and ingenuity is that, yeah, no one's done it before. That means there's no precedent. That means we have to try something different. Shit as it is, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or it only works for a select few people that can play the game and have the politics and suck the cock they need to suck. Like, and I'm not one of those people. So what does that mean? And that's where there's a giant question mark that is equally exciting and terrifying and overwhelming. Mm -hmm, Totally. And trying to figure out what now. Okay. <laughs> Don't no. know. We'll we find know. out. We'll see. Yeah. The next few years, we're gonna find out. Yeah. I will report back. <laughs> right. Um, thanks so much, Kate. Thanks Aww, Kate. thank so you, fun. ladies. Yay! Thanks, awesome. <gasps> Take us
0: out. Wow, I haven't done this in a while. I know. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Um, this is our first. Or should I say this? I guess. Are we releasing this first? Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please go follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Go to our Patreons. We haven't asked you in like three whole months to go to our Patreons and donate. (laughs) So please do it. We're going, this is our third season. We're super excited and we want to know what you guys think. So let us know on Instagram, on Twitter. Tell us all the things and we're happy to be back. Yay. Thanks.